Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the third Sunday in Advent. And we really actually get to continue to talk about John the Baptist. And one of the interesting things when we look at Advent, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting to hear all the messianic prophecies, all the the prophecies from Isaiah that discuss who Jesus is going to be, what he's going to be. He's going to be the the wonderful counselor, the the savior, the the son born of the virgin, all these things. And that's supposed to be Advent because it's to prepare you for Christmas. And then what we end up with is John the Baptist. We get to hear of his, a little bit of his life, a little bit of his preaching. Last week we heard that he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you brood of vipers. And today we get John the Baptist again. But this is different. He has finally ended up in prison for preaching and proclaiming the truth. He has called out Herod. He very publicly pointed out that Herod is sleeping with his brother's wife. And again, John the Baptist, being very bold, points out that is not right. And he announces this to the world so everybody can see and hear. And Herod's brother's wife, Herodias, doesn't like this. And so she's able to get John the Baptist arrested and he's in prison. We hear that Herod actually likes to listen to John the Baptist. He's curious about these teachings and these preachings. And so Herod actually protected John the Baptist. But while he's in prison, he has this interesting question, and he sends the disciples to ask Jesus this really important question. And I like this question, because I think it's a question that should kind of be on the forefront of our minds also. And this is the question. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And I I love this because we can go a couple of different ways. The first one, and this is the easy, and I won't say superficial, but it's just kind of the easy thing, that John the Baptist understands that he's the forerunner to the Messiah, the Christ. He is the one who is to usher in this new world, this new thing, this new teaching. He is the one who is to make straight the path for the Lord. In fact, he boldly proclaims at the River Jordan, behold, this, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. This isn't a frivolous statement, and that title is not thrown around 
uh, connected to a prophet, a good teacher. This is very much about the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Promised One. So I'm going to suggest that John the Baptist, through the Holy Ghost, had a pretty good understanding that the Messiah is coming and is here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because God is here, because God's Christ is here, because the Messiah is here. And so, John the Baptist has that pretty good view in mind in his preaching. And again, the call to repentance is to the call to change who and what you are, to live in your faith, to live in your holiness, to live in the life that God has given to you. And that is the life of forgiveness, the life of mercy. And so John the Baptist has this understanding and his faithful preaching, his faithful living, his faithful work is rewarded by prison. He is thrown into jail because he preached the word. He convicted Herod in his sin. And we see what he earns, a nice little cell. And so with that, the first way of looking at this is John the Baptist is having some doubts. God, I faithfully have done everything you've asked. I'm clothed in camel hair. I have a leather belt. I'm eating locust and honey for my sustenance. And now I'm in prison. Is this the one that we've been waiting for? Is this who I've been preaching about? Is this the one that I've been preparing the people of Israel to receive? Or should we look for another? I think there's some validity to this way of thinking, to this line of thought. Because again, think about it. How many times have you gone out of your way to do good things? And not because you want the accolades, not because you want the pat on the back or the recognition. You did the good things, the right things, because they are the good and right things to do, regardless of the situation. And then somebody takes credit for it, or nobody notices, or that you hear the cliche, no good deed goes unpunished. And for something, for some reason, you end up receiving punishment for your good deeds and so on and so forth. So it seems like John the Baptist is stuck in prison, wondering, is all this for naught? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one who is coming to redeem the world? Is this the one who is coming to establish the kingdom of heaven? And so, like I said, one line of thinking is that John the Baptist is having second thoughts about all that he's been preaching and proclaiming and wants Jesus to answer, are you the one who we've been waiting for or should we wait for another? Okay, <clears throat> So the next line of thought is that John the Baptist actually knows that Jesus is the one, the Messiah. And there's no question. He's not wavering in his faith. He's not wavering in his quest or mission placed before him by God. And that he's sending the disciples so that Jesus can show them 
what he is all about. This is a work of the Holy Ghost moving John the Baptist to send the disciples so that they will hear Jesus' answer, that they will see Jesus' answer. They'll see Jesus at work. And it's the whole idea that John the Baptist must recede. He must step down. He must be lowered so that Jesus can be seen, so that Jesus can be glorified, and so on and so forth. Again, John the Baptist gets to be John the Baptist the forerunner, the the one who points to the Messiah, for he is not the Messiah. And so this is him stepping down, him relinquishing his forerunner status so that all the work is now placed upon the promised Messiah. And so those are the, the two school of thoughts uh, that we can, and there's more, but I really like the second one. First of all, it shows the faithfulness of John the Baptist. And for not one second do I think John the Baptist is excited about being in prison. Not for one second do I think that John the Baptist at any time was just this perfect, faithful servant. I am sure that he had his doubts. I am sure that he had his struggles. I am sure that he prayed to God, questioning and asking, is this it? Is this the truth? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? But in all of that, even in his doubts, he faithfully trusted God. And it's something that you may have prayed. Lord, I do not know where you send me or what you are going to do, but I trust that you will care for me. And I go forth according to your mercy into, and fill in the blank, whether it be a, a problem, illness, whatever. We're promised suffering on this side of heaven. Uh, Jesus makes no bones about it. For my name's sake, you will suffer. And it's not that God in Christ delights in the suffering of his servants and the suffering of his people. It is actually the reality of this life. When we proclaim and preach the truth, when we live a faithful life, The world does not like this. The world does not know us. The world tries to subvert, push, punish, and put us down. And we need to be ready for that. And we need to faithfully face all hardships, all problems, all issues, just like John the Baptist. And with that, though, And this is why I like the second school of thought, that John the Baptist, already trusting and faithfully looking towards the Messiah, sending his disciples, giving Jesus the chance to answer and to show who he is. This is what we do in our lives. When the world looks upon us as his people, the world is looking in judgment. How will they handle the persecution? How will they handle trials, tribulations? How will they handle their own sin? And we're going to fail. We are going to fail miserably. We're going to fail hard. We're going to fail. And we need to accept that. We are not perfect. And I know that's an understatement, and I know I'm not telling you anything new. But how do we handle this? We handle this according to the mercy of God. We pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And this is a statement of relationship. We are praying and stating, God, you said you would be merciful to me, a poor, miserable sinner. And I'm holding you to that. 
I am trusting in that mercy that you promised, the mercy that you have delivered, the mercy that you have worked. And that's where we get to find our hope. And this is a sure and certain hope. This isn't the hope of, oh, I hope it works out. This is God said so, and I will hope in his sure promise. And that is what John the Baptist sends his disciples to do in the mercy of God, in the sure hope. And when Jesus is presented with this question, are you the one who has been promised? Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Notice what Jesus says. Well, let's do this. Listen to what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, do you know who I am? Why don't you believe? Do you Have you seen the things I've done? Have you heard the things I've done? And again, you know, in the accusation, uh, the whole idea that these disciples are supposed to just know what and who Jesus is all about. But Jesus, being the ever-patient, true, gracious, and merciful Lord, has this wonderful statement. He really says, and Jesus answered them, the disciples, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And that last statement, again, is not an attack against John the Baptist. This is a statement that the life that Christ offers is the life of reconciliation. We are reconciled to God the Father. We are made right before Him because we, being the dead, the blind, the deaf, have Christ coming, opening our eyes, opening our ears, opening our very life to be able to participate with him in the great and wondrous gifts of true life, life everlasting. And this is what Jesus tells the disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, to go and tell John. What have they seen? They have seen the work of God, the very work that only God himself can do, the raising up of the very dead. And this is both physical and spiritual. The the ones that have received their sight, they see that Jesus comes and restores what has been broken. He restores the promise of life. He restores the gift of what we have. So Jesus lays out the fullness of what he has come to do, the restoration of creation, the restoration of life, the redeeming of the very people of God who have been broken by sin and death. And that is what he lays before the disciples of John the Baptist so that everyone will hear. And then it doesn't stop there. As the disciples are leaving to go and tell John the Baptist the answer, Jesus then speaks of John the Baptist. And this is an amazing statement. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. 
Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he, John the Baptist, is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And again, those are the words that Jesus is speaking to and about John the Baptist. And what's amazing about this is we need to remember the place of John the Baptist. He is literally the last Old Testament prophet. And as Jesus says, he is the greatest among the prophets because he's the forerunner of Jesus. He is the one who literally points to the Messiah. He literally points the world to the coming King, the coming Savior, and says, Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away your sin, the one who has come to redeem you. He prophesied the fulfillment and the fullness of God breaking into our time, our space, and our flesh. The Christ has come. And Jesus is pointing to John the Baptist and saying, this is the one who has done the greatest work, revealing the mercy of God in Christ. And this whole time, Jesus talking about John the Baptist is talking about himself. And only Jesus is the only person who can speak of himself in and through everybody else and everything else and not be arrogant, but showing that he is the true servant, the least in the kingdom, for everything is dependent upon Christ and his work and his service, and his gift of his life, which redeems you, which makes you the child of God you are in faith. And so with John the Baptist asking this question, with John the Baptist receiving this answer and hearing the proclamation of the gift of the Messiah coming in and through the preaching, the teaching, and the life of John the Baptist, we truly rejoice that we, this day, this week, this Advent season, continue to prepare ourselves, our homes, our church, and the world for the receiving of the one who has come, the one who is coming, the one who has promised to bring about the true restoration of creation and his people, Jesus our Lord, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Redeemer, Jesus our God of life who holds us together. So let us prepare our hearts. Let us prepare to receive our King who comes to us in his mercy, lowly, coming to us in service to bring us out of the depths of our sin, to bring us out of the depths of our death and into the true, immeasurable depths of his love 
and life. Advent is truly a season of celebration and preparation, and we need to take serious the words of what is given to us in this reading and looking upon God in Christ with that question, are you the one to come or should we look for another? We have the answer. He has come and promises to come again. And throughout the Old and New Testament, God has made prophecy and promise only to fulfill them again and again and again. And if we take God at his word, we get to have that sure and certain hope, promise, and work that life has been given to us here and now and not yet and the promise of life forever, ever with him. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.